Hello, story lovers. I'm Laurel McCarg, and you're listening to Alligator Preserves. Stay tuned for my first interview with a tandem racing couple. I just interviewed them at our Lake County Public Library, so don't go away. David and Jana Zangerly have all kinds of good information for anyone interested in tandem biking. Welcome to Alligator Preserves, a weekly podcast about revealing yourself through storytelling, story reading, and story writing, but probably not story arithmetic because that's not a thing. You just might surprise yourself with the secrets you'll uncover. So welcome, David and Jenna. Thank you for driving all the way from Iowa. Thank you for inviting us. <laughs> You're quite welcome. I guess my first question might be, how did you hear about the Leadville Trail 100? I'll let Jenna answer that. Right. So we uh, had plans to come out here in 2009 to do the four-pass loop. Okay. Around the Maroon Bells, and we were staying at Oars and Mines as at our first uh, stop, and we missed the turnoff ah. and ended up in Twin Lakes. Okay. In the middle of you know nine thirty at night when the um, run is coming through. Right. So we literally stumbled across the race series, and um, David and uh, his friend Dan, who was uh, with us, who's an avid uh, Leadville racer, uh, were instantly enamored. And so what's, so, going, what's going on here? Yeah. Oh, it's a 100-mile run. So we, we yeah. pulled in, and I got out. Instead of saying, you turning going back, I was like, what's going on? And so we, I got out, and I said, what's going on? And the guy says, Leadville 100. And I'm like, what's that? And he said, 100-mile run. And right away, it was like, I want to find out what that is. So, so you want to find out what the run was like. You didn't say, why would anyone do a 100-mile run? Because mm-hmm. that's normally my, the first question that I ask people mm-hmm. who ultra race is, why? Yeah. So first of all, Jenna, have you done any hundreds? No. Okay. No. We'll get to that. And I've done David? Um, two Leadville 100. I've, I've finished one of two. Finished one of two. Yeah. The runs. Yes. Okay. I, um, in 2014, I was attempting Leadman. I made it to 87 where I had to pull out because of my foot issue. So I came back in 2015 to finish everything. So Okay. Yeah. And, and so why? Tell me why you had to do this. Um, the reason to do it, it's just, just a goal. You know, I saw it. Um, I think the mo- next morning after we stumbled upon the, guy, the race out at Twin Lakes, we came back into town. Um, there was a guy hobbling down the street um, with his toes, you know, <laughs> sticking out of his shoes. And I said, hey, what's going on? He's like, I just finished the level 100. And it was just like, I want, to, I, want, I want to go to that level and see if I can push myself to that. Okay. And you, no. No interest? Well, not especially. No, I, um, not the races. I don't feel like I need to run 100 miles. I've done an Ironman. So I have some interest in endurance racing. Okay. So I'm not opposed to it. Okay. Necessarily. But you're not um, driven I'm to really enjoying the tandem. <laughs> okay. So you are here to do the stage race. And I'm assuming that has nothing to do with the Tabor Opera House. Uh, no. No, not that stage. <laughs> okay. All right. To describe what a stage race is. So the stage race is the Leadville 100 broken down into three days. So it's a great opportunity 
to see the race course um, before attempting the whole 100 mountain bike race. So day one, it's from the start, which is at the rodeo grounds, out to Twin Lakes, so approximately 40 miles. Then day two, you start Twin Lakes and you climb uh, Columbine back down. That's the end of day two. <clears throat> that's 22 miles. And day three is the race back to town, another 40 miles back to town. So it's a great opportunity for us to ride the tandem. Now she gets to see the whole course instead of just waiting at Pipeline or Twin Lakes to aid, aid me as I'm coming through on the race. So. And it is a race in other words, are there, are there you can place in it? Yes, um, you can place in it. It's very low-key, a maximum of 300 racers, so uh, it's kind of back to the days of when Leadville first started. You know, there's only 300 cyclists, that's the most, you know. So it's very family-oriented, community, you know, community, and we have a lot of friends that do it together. So you're racing, but it's not highly competitive unless you want it to be. Do you want it to be? Not especially. No? No, I really have fun, and I train for it with my time allowed, Mm -hmm. uh, with the other things that we have going on, and we've talked about doing the 100, and we probably will on the tandem at some point. Okay, okay. that was a question that I would get to. What is required in a relationship in order to ride tandem? Uh, Two different personalities, so you can't have two type A's. You can't have two type A's? No, I don't think you can. Okay. Do you disagree? I disagree. Because <laughs> I think I'm probably type A. Uh, Maybe just not, not in plus. cycling. Okay. So uh, I understand that he's um, very competitive. Uh, and that's uh, this is sort of his realm. And um, I'm competitive too, but in a different way. And I think on the tandem, he's the captain. Right, so he's uh, in front, and he's doing the essential things, which are steering, and shifting, and keeping us safe. And so I'm happy to relinquish my opinion about what we should be doing to him. I was going to ask, how do you decide who rides in front and who rides in back? Well, normally it's going to be the bigger person, the taller person, correct. And then tell um, me why. uh, Just the way the the bike is set up. I don't think I've ever saw a taller or shorter person up front. I guess you could, uh, but... It would be awkward, probably with the frame of the bike. Okay. So I think the taller person has to be in front. And a lot of the bikes are custom built, you know, so you can, like, if you ride a mountain bike, and it might be an XL 21-inch frame. Um, that's what I ride. Well, she only rides a 17-inch frame, so they have to take two frames and, and weld them together. And you two have been married for how long? Three years. Three years. And when, who brought up the idea of let's ride tandem? I did. Tell me why. Because I thought it would be fun. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we watched our friends Joe and Jen race their tandem, and uh, it just looks like fun. He's rides at a different pace than I do if we're riding separately, and mm-hmm. so... We actually um, get along better if we're riding the tandem than if we go out for a ride together on our own bikes because we inevitably end up sort of separated. Separating. So okay. now we're always together. So okay. Now, yeah. And, and if we ride single track, that's where it would really, we're riding single track and it's, you know, in the, in the timber and I come up to a trail, I'm just going to go right. She doesn't know if I went right or left. 
Now she knows because she's right she's behind you. She's right bike. behind you. Right yeah. Yes, yeah. Uh, I rode with my husband for many years and would always get very frustrated because he was a much stronger rider. Exactly. He would he would do the out and back kind of thing where he'd ride out and then come back and out and then come back. Right. And that in itself is a little bit discouraging. Right. <laughs> or the other thing is if you're riding and uh, you're going to meet at a certain place, well, he gets there faster than I do and I'd like to stop and rest for a couple minutes, right? So then... He's ready to go by the time I get there, and yeah, that just creates a whole nother yes, right frustration. Right. And so, never having ridden a tandem, how does it work mechanically? Do you have to pedal synchronously? Yeah, so our pedals are locked together. So if I'm spinning ninety RPMs, she has to spin ninety or or so, take her feet off the pedals and go wee right. <laughs> spinning too quickly to do that yeah. yeah we have done that before just to see what it's like if the other person is not on like a flat ground and so I said okay we stop pedaling she unclips and then I pedal and then I unclip and she clips in and she pedals from the rear so you can actually see how much the other person is how much effort they're putting in there okay so yeah you're locked in so no matter what um, and our pedals are synced so when my right foot's down, her right foot's down. Okay. That's, that's very important for, especially on single track, mm-hmm. or if you're in a technical technical section where there's rocks, and i got to make sure her feet clear yes. before I start pedaling, because we've done that before on tight yeah. trails, where I'm through the object, and I start to pedal, and then her foot will get ripped off. Ooh. Yeah. 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 So having, those, having, a, having a foot ripped off <laughs> would be a bad thing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so that's um, the other question, you, or you asked what it takes to you know, write a tennis. Yes is communication a lot of communication and and we learned very quickly we had our bike 10 days before we came to led to do the stage race oh just now no no two years ago oh two years ago oh so you've done the stage race before this is your second time our third third time doing the stage race Mm -hmm. oh so from year one together you've been doing this yeah uh let me ask how many miles or perhaps minutes elapsed before you had your first fight on the tandem Ooh. Oh. I don't know that we really. I, I couldn't say for sure. We had disagreements. We, I think disagreements. Like I would Someone stop pedaling. Would I would grumpy. say probably within the ten, first ten minutes of the bike, because we were off and on several times trying to communicate either how we were going to actually start riding, how we were going to get on the bike together, because you know you can either get on at the same time and start pedaling, or the the Stoker, the person in the back, can sit on the seat and the captain can, you know, decide how to take off. So we had to kind of negotiate that and we had to negotiate cadence because his cadence is faster than mine. But I feel like we just sort of stepped off the bike and said, okay, we have a, <laughs> we've hit an impasse. We need to um, discuss this. And we did. And what was the result? Did you both jump on at the same time? Or? So what we do is we both clip in on the right side. Okay. And then I say, you're ready. And I say, go. And we just step up and go. Yeah. And the other big issue was uh, braking. Like stop when I stopped pedaling, you don't think about that when you're riding, you're spinning, you know, 80, 90 uh, RPM that all of a sudden I want to stop because I don't want to keep she can't see nothing right and so I stop and then it would jam up her, her ankles. ankles oh <laughs> she would we straightened that out yeah okay yeah. and he had to sort of give me a heads up that we were going to be stopping or coasting or something along those lines so I knew what was coming but now today we went and we rode on um, power line 
And not once do I have to tell her that we're going to coach. She kind of, I think she can tell when. Yeah, we you have can a sense. better sense of. Yeah. Okay. I think that's, that's pretty cool. You're staring at his back and butt the whole time. Exactly. Right? I, don't, I can't see around him. Except coming down power lane. Then she yeah. can see. <laughs> when, yeah. Right. Then like, because it's yeah, really there's steep. sections okay. of power line where I can see straight out and over his head. And, and so talk to me about trust. Sure. <laughs> I, I trust him really implicitly. I mean, I don't, I've never doubted that. That was never an issue I wouldn't have suggested that we... From the first time? Yeah. Okay. I gave that quite a bit of thought. And he used to race motocross, and uh, he's a good cyclist, and so I know that he can pick a good line mm-hmm. and that he um, lets the bike do its job instead of fighting with the bike. So he lets the bike roll over things that I personally, if I was riding myself, would not have the confidence to you do. You might have gone around something or... Well, I would stop or, or I just, or I'd fall or, uh-huh. you know, I just don't have those skills. So I do trust him. And how do you feel knowing that the person riding behind you has complete and total faith and trust in you? It's a good feeling. Uh, I always think positive. That's why, I, like, that's one big thing on the tandem is I need positive thoughts from coming from her on the back. Because um, if, if she's saying something like, you know, slow down, and I'm in a technical section like today, um, we're almost off the bottom of our power line, and we start talking about something, and it got my mind off of what I was doing, and it got Ooh. close to going down. So I, I always try to just, you know, positive thoughts, and that's. That keeps me going. We don't talk a lot because I know he's sort of doing what he needs to do. So I don't uh, chatter in his ear because it really isn't in either of our best interest to, you know, distract him from what he needs to be thinking about. And I made the decision to get on the back of the bike. So I just... (laughs) sit there and uh when he motor tells, yeah. yeah when he tells me he needs more power or you know whatever i just so you, and I you might him. you might see um an incline or an obstacle you have to get over and you're like step it up or whatever you have you yeah say something so to... we have a uh, one through ten scale as far as power and i usually tell her let's keep it at a five okay and then there are certain times especially like on st kevin's the first climb of the race that I let her know that we can go over five. We may go to six, seven, um, just for a short little while. And then once we get up over that, then it's back down to five, get the heart rate, the breathing back down. And then there's a couple little punchy climbs um, between the green gates after Mary's corner. And I'll tell her, you know, power, power, power. And then I give her a, a time, you know, 30 mm-hmm. seconds, mm-hmm. 20 seconds. Yeah. And that way she kind of knows. And it's like when she's in the basement on the trainer in the wintertime, mm-hmm. she's doing intervals. It's that same kind of mindset. Right. Okay. So that's, I, we communicate that way, but after that, it's pretty much pretty quiet. It's pretty quiet, yeah. Any crashes? <laughs> Lutzen. No. Well, at, we rode Lutzen in, uh, yeah, Minnesota, and he didn't pick exactly the right line going down this um, incline. It was grassy and not really rocky, but um, it had been misting all day. This was a year ago. And um, so he went this way, and the front tire went that way, and the back tire we just kind of slid Slipped. out. Yeah. yeah. When she, no. when I could see her coming up next to me, oh. <laughs> I, I was like, because it was like four wheeler track, so I would 
I was on the right lane, and I was like, ah, oh, the left looks better. So I went over that little ridge, and I got to the left side, he but then it. she's coming up beside me, and so I just dumped the bike inside. And we had, it was, it's a soft landing. We've yeah. never had any high-speed crashes. Wet grass. And she has one more crash on the tandem than I do. How does that happen? So in order to crash on the tandem, you have to end up on the ground. And I didn't end up on the ground. She did. And uh, we were going through a, a creek bed. And what I thought was a movable object was actually like a steel pipe. And so when my front tire hit it, the bike just dumped. Oh. She fell off in the water. I stayed oh. upright. Oh. <laughs> Refreshing. Yeah, yeah. And I said, exactly. hurry, get back on. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah, there's no sympathy. <laughs> hurry up, get up. There's other people coming. Even though he dumped you. Yeah. Well, we won't talk about that. <laughs> um, how do you eat? Or do you need to? I mean, the race oh, they yeah. do, yeah. yeah. So it's a great system, I think, because I just say, give me a gel, give me water, and she just hands it to me. So it's for me, it's better than if I'm racing by myself. Because when I'm racing by myself, I forget to eat, or I'm too busy to eat. We're on the tandem, I just ask, you know, yeah, give so me a I gel or a good have a little box in front of me. or okay, He'll so have you- stuff in the pockets of his jersey mm-hmm. and we'll just I just pass it up to him and you feed both of you yes okay mm-hmm. yep and we don't use camel bags we have water bottles so we've learned how to pass those forward and back too so and that was a little yeah. bit of a learning curve yeah that was because there has to balance be, I mean not balance but so I'll ask for water I want water so she'll grab the bottle and then if if we don't communicate, I'm putting my hand back. She's trying to bring the bottle forward. Person, we're gonna fumble it. Right. So I'll say water. She say okay. I'll put my hand back. She'll stick in my hand. Like I'll a take relay it. race. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And then when I'm done, I'll say okay. I'll stick it back there. She takes it away. So there's always that positive handoff yeah. instead yeah. of because before I've stuck my hand back. She's coming forward. We're kind of right. fumbling it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when did you each know that you were athletes? What's your, what's your athletic background? My background is in swimming mm-hmm. and in high school. And then I just got into triathlons at one point and I wouldn't consider myself an athlete. <laughs> I enjoy sports mm-hmm. um, and I enjoy uh, the challenge of doing things that are physically challenging and mentally challenging. So uh, it's a good fit. Growing up, did, were you on any sports teams in school? or Swimming. Mm-hmm. And you? All the way from, you know, high school, junior high, high school, football, basketball, track. Always doing something. And then out of, out of high school, got into motocross racing. You know, and then after that, got into triathlons and then now into ultra distance events. So, Leadman? Yes, 2014. And 14, I Started it, couldn't finish. Right. Um, and then 2015, got the job done. So. Okay. And are you doing Leadman this year? Not this year. Not this year. No, it's Jana's year. This is your year? It's a standing joke. Okay. Well, Since it's, he's it's been like, doing the Leadville series, various races. Forever? Since 2010? No, 2013 is the first. I did Silver King that year. Okay. Right. So, um, as you know, crewing is uh, an effort in and of itself, and so I've done a lot of crewing, and um, so it was kind of a joke when he got through his lead man that it would be my year, and my year ended up being tandem, (laughs) so it's worked out well. I have no complaints, so it's fun. We enjoy coming to Leadville, and 
No, I think that's great. The community crewing can be very stressful uh, and exhausting, yeah. and especially for the lead man, the run. Very. Um, what was your time? Twenty-eight forty-two. Okay, so you go through the night, and you're yeah. you're at each of the aid stations, mm-hmm. worrying and waiting, and and all that. It's it's very stressful. Because two thousand sixteen, um, I came out and did the we did the stage race. I didn't do any other races that year, but we crewed for a friend and. I'm not a good pacer because twice I've went to Winfield and my runner never makes it. So don't hire me as your as your pacer <laughs> out there. So I got right out of Winfield to Twin Lakes and I was sitting around just kind of waiting. And another friend came through and he needed a pacer. And so I ran with him up to uh, Pipeline. And then it was like, this is a long day because you sit out at Winfield forever and you have no communication if they're coming or not. Right, right. Then your runner doesn't show. Right. And now... You're running across the night. I think we ended up at Outward Bound, and I was like, I need to go home and <laughs> go to bed. <laughs> I was tired. And, yeah. You know. yeah. And now you get to go on to May Queen and, and to the finish. And yeah. My husband's first lead man, his first 100 run, uh, we were still in Colorado Springs at the time. So we were up with the boys, and the boys were in school, and I was teaching at the time. And and it was raining, and um, he showed up to Winfield, oh, a good probably half an hour before we even thought we needed to start watching for him. And we were in the car <laughs> eating, eating bonbons and <laughs> creating papers and laughing and wondering when Mike would come through. <laughs> He'll tell his version of that story when I interview him, but oh my gosh, missing him at the 50-mile point. Oh, to this day, I feel horrible. <laughs> to my listeners out there, I hope you're enjoying this interview with David and Jenna Zankerly and their tandem experiences. And I hope you'll also consider becoming my patron as a one-person operation. Your contributions would be most appreciated. Go to patreon.com slash preserves to see how you can support my work. And now stay tuned for more fun times on a bicycle built for two. In 2014, I ran by them at Pipeline. They didn't realize, they didn't see me. It was, it was Pipeline's dark. Mm-hmm. Oh, I came yeah. by and luckily um, Reed, a, lo- a girl, local girl here, was going to pace for me and she saw my bib. And so they're hollering at me and I was already past them quite a ways. I'm like, I'm not going back. Right, you have something right, to right. Yeah. So, yeah. So what's your goal for this year? For, first of all, for the... For, stage race. For a stage race, um, try to be a little bit faster than last year. Last year, we had a great first day. Um, day two, we broke our bike. Oh, how did you break a bike? There's what they call the, uh, on the rear triangle of your bike, you have your seat stay and your chain stay where to come together to weld it on our, on our bike. And we had got to the first of uh, the three stooges, they call it when you leave Twin Lakes. There's three little climbs out of there. And the very first climb we came to, I said power, and we went about three pedal strokes, and we couldn't even turn the cranks. And of course, it's at the beginning of the race, so there's probably at least 100 riders behind us. Oh. And we pull the bike off the course, and I'm looking at the bike, and I can't see nothing wrong. And Jan is like, I think it's over here. <laughs> I was standing on the other side, and I looked down and saw a huge gaping. Oh. Yeah. And that's, that was not... I said, I think this is what our problem is. You can stop looking over there. (laughs) Yeah. So we had to turn around and walk the bike back down. And luckily, as soon as we got back down there, uh, the guys from Cycle Life and um, the gentleman that owns the Shell Station here in town, they came over like, what's wrong? And I said, 
And they're like, we'll find a welder for you. It's an aluminum frame. What? And so they were doing that. I started tearing the bike apart. Um, before I was done tearing the bike apart, they were like, you have to go to Silverthorne. There's a gentleman waiting. He's going to close his shop by noon if you're not there. And so we hopped in the truck. We flew down to Silverthorne. Oh, my gosh. The gentleman was there waiting. Like your typical welding shop. He had a cigarette hanging out of his mouth. And he looks at it and he goes, yep, I can do it. And so he jibbed it up, squared it up. Says, is that how it looks? I said, perfect. And he, he welded it. I paid him cash. We hopped in the truck, flew back up the mountain, got the bike back together before the last person came down. And so we rode around just a little bit to make sure the bike was good. And so we were ready for day three. So. Oh, my gosh. That's insane. And, and pretty awesome. Yeah. So the, the people in, here in town, Cycles of Life, and, and um, this is named Toby, I think, that owns the Shell Station. They were great. I mean, they were right on it. Like, you know, here's a guy. Awesome. Shout out know. to Cycles of Life and mm-hmm. yeah. Shell Station Toby, if that's your name. Thank you. Wow. That's fabulous. Yeah. So for your 100th this year, what's your goal? Uh, this year, I just I'm going to work on my nutrition. Last year, I tried to go sub-9 and went 948. And a lot of that was with... Uh, Nutrition and hydration. Okay. I felt great through 40. Uh, going up Columbine, you always feel the same going up there. And came back down, and as when I pulled up the pipeline, she was waiting there with uh, Katie and Cassidy. And I was like, I am toast. I am done, you know. And they might give me some Coke or yeah. something. And some he more. Was pretty depleted. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you tell him to get back on? Oh, sure. Good. Yeah. We'll see you at the finish. You're good. <laughs> And yeah, so this year just work more on my nutrition. I'm not in sub nine hour pace type of shape, so just go out and enjoy the race and and see how it goes. What's your favorite nutrition to use? I like to use heat. Um, it's just a liquid um, type of nutrition. Mix that up in my bottle, so I have the right amount. Um, if it's a little bit longer, like um, 100, I'll probably use some Perpetuum. Mm-hmm. Same type of thing. Um, if I'm really when I'm running or even on the bike I like orange slices candy orange slices that sugar oh yeah um, a lot of times we have those on the tandem and she'll hand me one up and I'll stick it up with my cheek and <laughs> suck on it suck on it um, <laughs> that's what I like to go to and how about you what do you like for races I tend to like real food for mm-hmm. what we're doing right now because the distances aren't you know very long so I like real food uh, Snickers bars mm-hmm. Um, we do gel in the shop blocks, mm-hmm. and we like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, uh, potato chips, those types of things. Do you have anyone crew you? In the stage race, we have Michael Hester, who's been staying at the hostel with us for many years. He's from uh, Virginia, and uh, he helps us out every year on the stage race. And uh, he'll meet us at Pipeline if we need something there, and then he'll be at Twin Lakes. Any tips for, for crew people when you're coming through? As a tandem, coming through all those different stations? Uh, not really. Usually we have a pretty good job briefing before, because Michael was my crew chief for the 100 run uh, for two years in a row. So he's very you know, detailed. He knows exactly what I'm going to want or will need mm-hmm. and have it ready to go. Uh, for the tandem, coming through like on Pipeline is pretty much just a bottle that we want. And keep on rolling. And he'll have actually set of wheels with him in case we have a, a tire issue mm-hmm. for that. But otherwise, on the stage race, climbing up, calling back down, that's kind of a short day. And then day three coming back, we really don't. We'll stop maybe at the aid station and, uh, you know, grab a Coke or whatever mm-hmm. they have to kind of just get us, get us on through. My so. husband likes flat Coke. Oh, yeah. Yes. Flat Coke. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot to mention that. Shake, <laughs> Shake it up. Get all the bubbles out. Just sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And cold. Cool. When you're not training for races or racing, what are you doing? She's working. 
I'm usually working. <laughs> Where do you work? What do you do? I'm a physician, so I practice family medicine and urgent care. So my hours are um, long. Mm-hmm. So enjoy my work, but it is uh, takes up a lot of time. And yeah. what would you do for fun if you weren't swimming or racing? Anything else? Any other hobbies? I might start riding horses again. Okay. I used to ride horses a lot, but haven't for several years. So And maybe start writing some flash fiction. We'll talk yes. about that later. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, David? What do I do when... Well, I work for Union Pacific Railroad as an engineer, so I have a railroad guy. Yeah, yes. So cool. Yeah. It, every little boy's dream, right? Exactly. To work on a railroad. So I have really good hours, and so I have a lot of free time. So usually I'm not riding my bike, or I'm I volu- I used to volunteer at a bike shop, so that's where I learned the maintenance part of it. And I learned that I take care of the the dogs at home. What kind of dogs do you have? We have two uh, poodles. Rescue. One is nine pounds and the other is uh, 76 pounds. Oh my goodness. So a toy and a standard. Oh. So we've really enjoyed them. Neither of us had poodles before. Mm-hmm. So it's been a uh, really nice breed to get to know. Yeah. Yeah. How has racing changed your lives? Let's, let's think specifically about tandem racing. Um, Just communicating. And something that seems like a big bump in the road after you let it go for a while, it can, it's not really that big of a deal. And we talked about this last night. We were kind of mm-hmm. discussing, like, you know, the tandem, the good and the bad and things. And, and uh, we were talking about... Um, we were talking when, about when people have arguments on the tandem. Yes. And, you know, the argument probably isn't really about what's happening on the tandem. It's sort of the equivalent of the socks on the floor kind of thing. <laughs> Because really, at the end of the ride, I mean, there's no animosity or anything. I mean, it's just, you know, we enjoy riding and uh, whatever issue we thought might have been happening on the ride was not really an issue. So So it puts things into some kind of different perspective. Yeah. There's a saying that however your relationship is going, you'll get there faster on a tandem. Oh, I like that. Yeah, we've had a lot of people mention that. And and I suppose that's true. uh, But I think... I think a tandem is pretty manageable with respect to our relationship. And um, some people say there's no way they would ever do that with their spouse or partner. Right. I've, I've heard that mm-hmm. from some of my other racers. Mm-hmm. Or they might just do it for recreational, but not for racing. Yeah. yeah. And the nice thing is, like, if she is working a long day in the office, that she comes home, the tandem's ready to go. She hops on. She doesn't do no thinking, just back there and pedal. And, you know, it kind of, you know, as we know, working out kind of, helps you relax mm-hmm. and kind of takes that stress away that you're having. And otherwise she may not be able to get a workout in that day. Right. You know, the pool opens up at like five in the morning and you have to be out of the pool by six thirty. And there's always those things where she protects and say, Hey, you want to ride? She says, yes, I have it planned out and I know how much sunlight we have left. And so we might zip out and do a 20 mile ride. If we have more time, we might do a 30 or 40 just depends on the day. So mm-hmm. it takes the thinking away for her. So she doesn't have to worry about that. And I get a good workout in mm-hmm. and if it's if I'm not feeling the best or if she's not, you know, we'll stick on a flat trail, you know, or if we wanted to go out and do, you know, find hills in Iowa, which is, you know, not hills very much, <laughs> maybe a quarter mile long hill, you know, then we'll go out and look for hills. So some days we go out and just hunting hills and looking around and see what we can find. But we ride a lot of gravel. Um, we stay off the pavement. We're not uh, we're not roadies, and just the way the traffic is nowadays, that doesn't seem that safe. So. Mm. 
Do you think you might do the 100 on the tandem? I think so. I think that is a definite possibility. That's what we're trying to work it up to, so. Okay. When might that possibly be? Could it be next year? It could be. Actually, it depends um, on his plans for pursuing that sub-9 goal. I'm perfectly happy to let him do that next year if that's what he wants to do and we'll still do the stage race and the other races that we've done like at Lutzen and some gravel races and and I'll just keep training and when he says it's time I'll I'll ramp up my training for the hundred (laughs) now you're here for the week before the stage race and then you when will you come back I'm staying you're staying. Yeah, until... so I'll stay through the 100 bike, um, and, and Janet will fly back on Monday after the stage. Okay. And then come back okay. out in August with uh, Katie, our daughter, and for the crewing part of it. So. Okay. So when I'm here in town for those three weeks, I volunteer at the Leadville Race Series at the warehouse. So I mark the courses for them, um, help them out with anything they want, like brand iron or brand the uh, pickaxes and whatever side job they want me to do, I just go do it and kind of keeps me. I go out riding in the morning and do some training. Then I come back, have a little downtime, and about 1 o'clock I show up down there, and what do you have for me to do? So they always have something to... I bet, yeah. Yeah, there's always something going on. And the great thing about that is when you're marking course is you get to see the course up close, yes, intimate yeah, yeah, type of thing. Yeah. And it really helps me know which line to take, mm-hmm. you know, especially in the tandem, because we'll go out Thursday and mark um, the first 40 miles for the stage race. So... We'll get the eyes on path the day exact the day before, and, yes. we're, and we're going in a, in a side by side, so we're going slow, and so I, I kind of know exactly. I can look at I, in my head. I know the course pretty mm-hmm. well, so mm-hmm. and I just take mental notes. Like today when we came down, I was taking mental notes. Like, oh, I'm on the left side here. Oh, I'm on the right side. But knowing that I can take either side if we need to, but it's more smoother. Mm-hmm. You know, so any tips for people considering a tandem adventure with their partner? If you're going to invest in a tandem, mm-hmm. um, the best thing that we ever did is we went and had a professional fit on the bike. Because what a lot of people will do is they get a tandem and they just get one out of a box and they go. And it might fit the, the captain, but the pilot or the, the stoker is sitting back there suffering. suffering. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so spend, if you're going to spend the money on a tandem, you might as well spend the money on a bike fit. And we did that two or three years ago when we got our bike. We did. And we, we stopped at Wheat Ridge Cyclery in Wheat Ridge on our way up. Shout out to Wheat Ridge Cyclery. Mm-hmm. And we just stopped there on our way out this year. Yeah. Um, she had we, she switched seats this year on the bike and something wasn't just going right, so we stopped there and Pat there got right to work and made a few adjustments and I didn't hear any complaints today on the bike. So. No, I've been comfortable since. My back pain's gone. Awesome. Yes. Any other tips, suggestions? I would encourage people to try it. I think it's really been a fun experience for us, and we're kind of contemplating getting another tandem that's more specific to gravel riding. Okay. So it doesn't have the suspension and isn't as heavy so that we can do some uh, bike packing and other things. Cross-country kind of things? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. She mentioned the Tour Divide race, which goes from Banff. Canada to Mexico. Yes. Yes. A friend of ours just did that. Oh. Yeah. Our friend Brent Goldstein just did that race. Oh, okay. Yeah. We just had a lady friend that finished and she met, she talked about it and I was like, oh, let's start off small. Yeah. <laughs> you know, let's, 
Plus, you can't get you know forty days off of work at a time. But so we just want to start doing some adventure riding. And you know, Iowa has plenty of gravel roads that we can go on and just throw our you know our tent on there or whatever and just go out for a day or two. And, mm-hmm. and then hopefully come out to Colorado and, and do some of the the trails out here and, and do cross country that way. All right. When are you going to move to Leadville? <laughs> <laughs> Well, that topic has come up. Has it? Oh, sure. Yes. Yeah, we really love the spirit of Leadville, the community, and you know, not just the race series, although that's what brought us here. Mm-hmm. But we've met a lot of wonderful people who we have the privilege of coming back every year to catch up with, and so we have thought about moving here. Huh. Yeah, so that's that's been a topic almost every year. And the other day we drove up, we just we just moved into a Class A motorhome, so we we came up and we're not staying at the hostel like we normally do. Mm-hmm. You know, and she's like, "How come we don't live in Colorado?" And, and I'm thinking, um, yeah. <laughs> no good answer. Yeah, but yeah, this is where we come to play. Yeah, and so if yeah. we lived in Leadville, would it be the same? I would say yes. Oh, well. uh, oh dear. you know my my husband when you when you live in, do you Nordic ski or do yes you or cross country or downhill yeah. yeah yeah I mean you can roll out your door and ski on the Mineral Belt Loop mm. or you know fifteen minutes to get to the hills and you get the fat tire bike for the snow mm. and yes all year round you can have fun <laughs> so the answer is yes that's helpful yeah. <laughs> Not that I'm trying to encourage you to move to Leadville or anything, but I've heard it's a pretty nice place to live. <laughs> the run is what I what drew me to Leadville. Yeah. Um, the only reason I do the bike is because of Leadman, and so I'd rather run the hundred than the bike. So I'll be crewing for the hundred again. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry, but that's a that's a. Yeah, life-altering experience. <laughs> you still have original hips, all your original I do. I have all joints. original. I'm all original yet here. Um, to me, the run is, I mean, it's, it's like a complete life in the day. And there's actually a documentary on that. But it's just, you start off and you feel so great. And there's so many highs and lows. And mm-hmm. if you can figure out how to manage those highs and lows, then life is pretty easy when you have all summer all year to figure something out As where on the race you have 30 hours yeah. to figure out what your issue is do, like, do you ever get ken clover's voice in your head oh yeah you must right <laughs> yeah when, when you're getting to a low shoes do you have a couple pair of shoes do you switch to a larger size at the halfway point or? i don't switch to a, a bigger size I do definitely switch out shoes and socks mm-hmm. um my first year i did not i stuck and i was running in road shoes so asics road shoes which I'd run marathons in. I was like, oh, these are going to be great. And for whatever reason, when I came into Twin Lakes on the run the first year, um, my pacer and I got separated um, at that point. And I got my stuff on, and my pacer told me before I got there, he goes, I don't think you're going to make the next cutoff. So he put he planted a little seed in my head. and so a I got seed sp- of doubt? And I got, I got spooked. Yeah. And so I took off thinking he's going to catch me. Well, he never caught me. And then, so that kind of, I didn't switch shoes and I just went. Ooh. And then later on, the foot issue came up, which I thought I broke the foot yeah. going through, upward bound through the, okay. yeah. the field there. So, yeah, now I've learned to switch shoes. I've learned that you must remove the extra wash that you shoved in your shoe. You must pull that out <laughs> before you put your foot in there. 
Okay. Good. Um, <laughs> we I come in to crewing air. Yeah. Well, the crew didn't know it was in there. I put a backup watch in my right shoe. Oh, watch in your shoe. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And um, <laughs> so when I came into Twin Lakes, my crew was there. Um, Jan was working my left foot, getting the shoe off and socks. Mr. Hester was working my right side. Um, I was eating something, um, talking. I was like, I'm ready to go. I was there before the sun went down, so I knew I was way ahead of schedule. Jan put my left shoe on, no problem. Uh, Michael Hester is having this issue of getting my foot in there. And so Jana comes over and they shoehorn my foot oh in my there. Gosh. Oh and, my gosh. And, you know, I'm like, I'm ready to go. I get up and I start running and I'm like, there is something wrong. And so I turn around and I'm like, I come and I sit down and they pull my shoe off and out falls a watch. <laughs> Put my shoe back on and I got out. Not a good way to time yourself. No. (laughs) It goes on your wrist. Yeah. Yeah. And then just in case uh, my GPS watch battery was going to die and I wanted something else. But I had a great pacer out of there, Pajama Johnny from town here. And it was great. Do you know Johnny by chance? Uh, I I know who he is. Okay. So if you were going to pace me on 100 at night, what three things would you have in your red bag that you're carrying on your shoulder? For you? Yes. Yeah. But three items would you bring? I would definitely have liquid. Okay. Uh, so, well, some some form of sustenance. I would probably have a flashlight or extra batteries for the head headlight. Mm-hmm. I would have oh band aids, moleskin, extra. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. You had one of the things. Um, he had a mason jar. Because he doesn't like to bring out plastic, and so he had a mason jar with a lid, um, glass jar that he was running with. Um, nunchucks. Oh, well, I forgot about that. You'd have to have the nunchucks oh, for yeah. the bears and the mountain lions. And your third item would be a jump rope. A jump rope um, to tie around your waist and pull you? No, in case you get cold, you could jump rope. In case you get cold while you're running, you can jump rope. Wow! Those are the three items he had? No headband. And he was the he was a great pacer. That year I had these. My paces were all over the scale. <laughs> and um, he he kept me so entertained. We just had dinner with him the other night, and we reminisced about him pacing me. I mean, he was running backwards, no light on, um, just jumping off trees. Yeah, yeah. When he came into Outward Bound, he was screaming Dave's name, so we knew they were coming because a lot of times they don't. You know, the pacer doesn't, there's not really as, you know, as vocal as Johnny. And it was really kind of great because then we knew, okay, get everything ready. Because he ran ahead of Dave and was shouting his name. And yeah. yeah, shout out to Pajama Johnny. Yes. And then another local girl, Reed, was my next one. So they're like totally opposites. You know, she works out here at HMI. Um, very studious or very... She was- very organized yeah. and had considered everything oh. and yeah. she had the headlight she did, she did. She, no, no jump rope no, no jump okay. and you know we're going up and you know she knows I, I had her in 2014 as a pacer and so she came back in 2015 to pace me up power line and she knew every section of power line you know there's so many full nice. summits that you're going yeah. up and we're going up and also my light starts to get dim I'm like is my light dim and she did here she tore hers off put mine on and she took hers and she reached in her bag had a brand new one you know, so just going from one spec for me that helped because it was like okay, I got through this section now. In power line, as you know, is very intense. It can be you know, and then you can hear the 
the bugles or the drum beats up at the the aid station, the unofficial aid station, and you're just you're getting drawn to that like a cowbells. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's your feeling? Yeah. What's your feeling about cowbells? <laughs> I'm not a huge fan. They're great from a distance. <laughs> yes, I've heard that before as well. And they have all those horns. Oh, those, those horns are horrible. Oh, hate them. Hate the horns. We hate the horns, people. <laughs> but the nice thing is, especially going up power line, is you could hear it off in the distance, and you're like, you're getting drawn into it. Um, but yeah, then you get there, and there was a naked guy running around. He had a... <laughs> He had a mask on. At least he had a mask. You could identify it. Thank you for the mask. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I forget what the science says. You weren't having hallucinations? No, no. No, no, no hallucinations. Have you had hallucinations? Um, or did you? Do you remember any during the run? I did not. A friend of mine from New York City, Chris, was running in 2015, doing lead man with me. And he'd lost, he didn't have a pacer. He, he planned on only having a pacer, one pacer. And that was to bring him up over Hope Pass, and then he was going to run on his own. And I'm running with Johnny, and we come up, and all of a sudden Chris is stopped. And we're going across outward bound through the field there, and he is stopped. And I recognize him. I'm like, Chris, what are you doing? He's like, where do I go? And I'm like, oh, just keep going forward. And he's like, there's a big, I can't get across there. Oh. You know, he was just freaking out. And so I said, come on, and, and we went. And luckily his pacer, who was at Twin Lakes and was ready to retire for the day, was sleeping in the car at Outward Bound. And they oh, got him out of the wow. car and he paced oh, him. And so, so he saw either a this, crevice or a, or a lake or a something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And my husband has seen stacks of pancakes. <laughs> 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 Better. Yeah. Yeah, I've never, I don't think I've had any hallucinations um, running. Or, or at any time yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> we've not talked about them if you are so that's good but yeah it's just uh, you hear people talking about weird things mm-hmm. out there and I, one of your podcasts I can't remember who it was but they were yeah just oh thing. yeah if you, if you thought someone was following him because it was the, his jacket was making noise <laughs> yeah on the back when he turned he's like who's following me so, <laughs> so closely that was Rodrigo Jimenez oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was funny well, David and Jenna Zengerly, thank you so much for your time. I wish you the best of luck and no mechanical or physical failures this weekend. And for you on The 100 coming up. And uh, I want to hear from you when you're ready to do the LT100 race on a tandem. All right. Well, you'll probably well, be from, hearing from us next year. So oh, it would be the great that plan. That must be he's not doing the okay. 9 training. <laughs> He's, he's shown his cards. So. I just think it would be great for her to experience the whole race. Well, I do too. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. No, I, I'm sitting here. I can sit here and say, absolutely, you should try it. <laughs> well, once again, David and Jenna Zangerly, best of luck this year. And I look forward to seeing you next year. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Yeah, we'll Bye. definitely be back. I hope you enjoyed this episode with David and Gianna Zangerly. And if you did enjoy this, please subscribe to Alligator Preserves on iTunes, Stitcher, or, you know, wherever you get your podcasts. Tell your friends about it. I hope you'll also support me, a one-woman show here on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash alligatorpreserves and join me next time when I'll talk about something completely different. And until then, I did ask... David and Jana, what kind of preserves they would have on their toast. And they gave me a very 
unusual answer. Well, evidently, David makes Janice breakfast in the morning, which I think is very sweet. And on his toast, and on her toast too, because she eats whatever he makes for her, he spreads butter, because I'm from Boston, and so it's butter, butter, and the chunky strawberry jam. But on top of that, an egg, an over easy egg, an open faced thing. Who would have thought putting the egg on top of the toast in jelly and butter? Hmm. So there you have it, a tandem breakfast. David said he was trying to think about some kind of double something jelly. Maybe he just needs to find a, a double chunky strawberry jam. Yeah, that'd work. Bye. Alligator Preserves is hosted and produced by Laurel McCard, with technical support provided by her husband, Mike McCard. Follow her on her website at leadvillelaurel.com, where she writes about life, real, and imagined. If you enjoyed this podcast, you might enjoy her books. Find her work at amazon.com. <laughs>